Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, joined as always by Dave and Becky. And on this week's show, we are happy to declare that the vibes remain immaculate for the New York Rangers as they kick off their 2022-23 season with a dominant victory over the Tampa Bay Lightning at Madison Square Garden. Of course, it's just one of 82, but also nice to exact a little bit of revenge on the team that knocked the Rangers out of the playoffs last year in the Eastern Conference Final. So Dave, Becky, and I are here to recap uh, th- that game, answer your questions, and we'll see what else comes up on this podcast because you never know. There's always one or two subjects that come out of left field. Uh, I just killed a bug before we started recording this one because Becky got a little freaked out, um, but we don't need to rehash the details of that. What we do need to rehash the details of our Tuesday night's game is Tuesday night's game, I suppose, uh, against Tampa Bay. Um so I want to just kick it right off with you, Becky, since you and I were at the game. But give us the um, top line vibe check from the inside the building perspective. And then we'll go to Dave, who obviously watched at home uh, while dealing with a, a little bit of, a, of an illness too, Dave. So thanks for battling through on today's show. Um, but Becky, just straight over to you. What, give us the, the, the vibe inside Madison Square Garden, because we were asked uh, pointedly last week about, about the vibes around this Rangers team. Hey, Nick. Um- the vibes are beyond. They are so good. Getting there, just like being in the building, it's so cold, and there's just so many effing people walking around, and you can't find your way, and then you like walk into the actual arena, and you see the ice, and you're just like, holy shit, this is amazing. Um, the vibes were unbelievable, though. The The welcome video, like the montage they did, the skate outs, I have to say, I mean, like, Benoit Allaire got the biggest ovation, but like he probably he probably oh, deserves yeah. it. Um, just amazing, incredible, so good to be home. Absolutely loved it. Want to be there all the time. Might have gotten emotional. Might have cried a little. Welcome to the jungle being a song now. Like, love that they're taking something from the playoffs last year and incorporating it into this year. Love that so much. It was just. What a time to be alive and a completely dominant game. And also, just what was even better about being there is we didn't have to hear that really weird, like, face-off, puck drop, ref, like, thank you, world tour. What was that? <laughs> yeah, That Dave, was really you... weird. We didn't hear it. Yeah, what happened there? It, it was just like, a, you know, let's all have a good season. Let's do this. Let's do that. Rah, rah, rah. Yay, let's all hug and all that stuff. And... Uh, Sam from the blog and Suit from the blog were talking about this on Twitter. We should make this a thing, but we should have them talk about just like random crap. Like recite Macbeth or (laughs) just like tell us your least favorite state to be in and why or what your favorite thing off the Taco Bell menu is and why. And just go into that. Let's get to know the refs a little more. (laughs) I kind of love that. Yeah, it was was a brilliant idea. The, the weird thing about that whole production, I suppose, is that it was not audible in the arena. So we had no idea being at the game that that happened. And then I saw this clip surface on Twitter and people were just hysterically laughing at it. Now, 
I, again, I don't mind the NHL doing that, but it would have made sense to kind of like not have him do that while the players are literally like nose to nose, <laughs> all juiced up to start their season. And you have the ref launch into this very odd soliloquy before the game started. So, I mean, A for effort, because I think the NHL needs to do some different things to add some personality and some flair to the games. But, you know, having it be Chris Rooney four seconds before a game starts is a little bit of a weird a weird choice, I suppose. So, Dave, hold on. Sorry, I need to... Oh, uh, ahead, I, sorry, ahead. something just came through. <laughs> the starting lineup for the Chicago Blackhawks, Jared Tenorni is a top four defenseman. Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> they are not trying to win. And, you know, maybe we'll get to some wider NHL stuff, maybe not tonight, but later in the year when, when things start to develop. Obviously, we'll keep it focused on the Rangers because that's really all we've been paying attention to uh, through the preseason. But uh, Chicago certainly doesn't seem like a team to me that is caring at all about winning. And I think they want to get out from under a couple of big contracts if they can this year. Again, uh, subjects for another day. Dave, what was your what did you I wanted to ask you what stood out the most to you from this game? Obviously, watching at home. So a little bit more. You know, when you're at the game, it's always a little bit of a blur, especially on an emotional night like opening night. Uh, so you have more replays. You've got the coverage. You know, Ray Ferraro, who I think does a great job. I know views are mixed on Sean McDonough. Overall, I like the ESPN broadcast. I think I said that a lot last year. Um, I know that's not a popular opinion, but it's mine. So deal with it. Um, but but what was your uh, what stood out to you about the Rangers the most in this game? So I'm going to preface this with I was very sick yesterday and I only watched the first period. I just couldn't last. So there were two things that really stood out for me pre-game and first period. First, I don't know what the hell was wrong with ESPN that they didn't show the player intros on open night, opening night. That was a big miss and it's something that they really should be showing because we want to see that. I'm sorry, but you can take 10 minutes away from commercials and show us what the fuck we want to see. That was annoying. Kudos to the Rangers and their social media for putting them out on social media so we could actually watch them. That was nice. Uh, The second was sustained offensive zone time. And it was so nice to see all the top nine. They were not just getting good chances. They were forcing turnovers they were in on the four check and they didn't give tampa any time to breathe and that is the big thing we wanted to see from them this year was enough with this one and done trying to make the perfect play which was a huge issue for the second line last year and they just took it to tampa all night and yeah tampa was without sorelli which is a huge deal but it was just so fun to actually see them put, you know, 45, 60-second shifts in the offensive zone, and all three lines did it. Yeah. It was so fun to watch. They actually showed it, and I don't know if they did it last year. I, like, vaguely remember this, but I, whatever. Let's just pretend it's new. Um, they actually showed stats that had, um, that had, like, ozone time, D-zone time, like, total puck possession for each team. Um, like hardest yeah. like shot speeds, like highest shot speeds. I like I'm really glad that they did that. It wasn't sustained, like they didn't keep it up for the whole game, but like they showed I saw I, I caught it at one point and I'm like, this is great that you could see how much 
and it was toward the end of the game, so you could see like a full picture. I mean, it's not like they're showing up like expected goals, but also I don't think you need to do that. I think saying how much time a team has been in their defensive zone, how much they've had the puck, you know, I think that those those are like introductory stats that tell a story, you know, like that kind of marry the more advanced stats with the the eye test. So there is a big gap in the reason why we use Corsi and things like that is because we don't see offensive zone time as a publicly available stat anymore. Yeah, you want to generate shots and you want both of them together, offensive zone time and shot attempts. So, hey, you're not just sitting there skating laps in the offensive zone, but you can have a very good cycle and just not get enough shots on net and it gives you something extra to look at i miss them having that and i wish that they started showing that again well they did so like becky said they did show it at the on the big scoreboard at madison square garden last night or on tuesday night i should say and i think also though dave the reason that they probably went away from it and maybe now that it's coming back is because they have the player and puck tracking all activated and ready to go right so i think they can be very accurate with these stats because I think hand-kept offensive and defensive zone time and neutral zone time was probably inaccurate, probably wasn't very useful. But now you really know with player and puck tracking, you know, uh, with more certainty kind of how that's all shaping out. And the Rangers, by the way, had advantages in terms of offensive zone time and total puck possession. So that lined up with the shot attempts, with the scoring chances. It really was, as you said, Dave, a soup-to-nuts dominant effort by the Rangers. Um, And... Look, I mean, the other thing that happened in this game, unfortunate, of course, the Vitaly Kravtsov injury. It was a pretty dirty hit by Victor Hedman, and he gave him a little bit extra after he went down. I think he was hurt on the initial hit, although some people think the post-hit mugging had more to do with the injury. But either way, Kravtsov's going to be out for probably at least a week. Um, but what that did force, and the positive that came out of it, the silver lining, was it put it forced Gerard Gallant's hand to put Alexi Lafreniere on the second line with... Trocek and Panarin and that worked really well I mean that line was very good all game wasn't quite at the at the same level as Mika Zibanejad's line but nobody was on Mika Zibanejad's level last night we'll talk a little bit more about him in a second um but 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 look the, the Rangers ended up with the top six that I think we ended up we thought they would end up with all along you had Kreider Zibanejad Kako Panarin Trocek Lafreniere and I don't know about you guys but to me that sure as hell seems like a really good top six forward group that can go toe-to-toe with any in the NHL. There was no question there. I was just seeing if you guys were agreeing or not, or, you know, you could go a totally different direction if you want. The range, very few teams can compete with the top half of the Rangers lineup. Very few. Agreed. Especially when... You know, I thought it took Panarin a little time to get going last night, but he ended up having a a really good game. Um, But Mika Zibanejad was on another planet last night, Becky. And I I know, you know, he's one of your favorites, so we're not exactly getting uh, an objective take here necessarily. But but what was your what was your thought about Mika's performance last night? I mean, he was flying. Or he was absolutely, ago. he looked like, you know, possessed playoff, like game from game six of the Pittsburgh series until everybody like simply passed away from exhaustion in the <laughs> lightning series. Um, he looked like a man on a mission. And I think like bottom line, he's, he's not, 
I'm not in another market, so I don't know because I follow the people that I follow and the, you know, reporters and whomever that I follow. So like it's it truly is like your own curated circle. But I don't really think that he's getting such like crazy recognition around the broader like NHL in other markets, et cetera. I think people know that he's a good player, but I don't think people know how good he is. I mean, he's on the power play. He's on the penalty kill and he's scoring on both of them. And he's playing super sound, like just smart and then also somewhat flashy hockey. I mean, that first goal, you know, the shorthanded goal was like disgusting. That was beautiful. And that's short uh, freaking handed. <laughs> like, that was amazing. Yeah. And also uh, Lafreniere ended up out there because uh, on when that goal was scored, I think Kreider had gone to the bench at some point just before the goal developed, the play developed. And Lafreniere opened up space by mm-hmm. driving the net. So, uh, you know, he even though he doesn't get a point on the play, you know, he was occupying the defender. Zabanajad walked in and just absolutely roofed a backhander, you which, <laughs> you know, uh, well, I was just going to say as someone who – is a novice hockey player, but I do, you know, I do play men's league. Like I cannot tell you how hard it is to do what he did at full speed. He's on one mm-hmm. skate when he releases the puck too. He's kind of like turning and pivoting on his right foot and from with no, with no angle whatsoever. Cause he was very close to Vasilevsky. I mean, he even said in his interview, he's like, I basically ran out of room. So I just had to make a move mm-hmm. and shoot. He just straight up in the air into the roof of the net and just a perfect goal to kick off this season. Just the perfect sort of like statement goal in a statement game from a player who I think you're absolutely right, Becky. And you're right. We don't really talk about him in these terms because we're a Rangers podcast. We're Rangers fans. You know, this podcast is 85% about the Rangers and 15% about everybody else, but it's a good point. I don't think he gets that recognition. And I'm even thinking of those lists that came out in the summer when the NHL was doing its, you know, content dump and trying to keep people engaged while the uh, days on the calendar fell away to the start of the new season. But they released those lists of the top 20 centers and the top 20 wingers. I mean, I don't think he was on the top 20 centers list. But, Dave, do you remember that? Correct me if I'm wrong. But I don't think he was on the list. And, like, I know Evgeny Malkin was, and I have a certain bone to pick there. Um, Zibanejad was. He wasn't top 10, but he was top 20. Okay. That okay. seems ridiculous. Okay. And and, and maybe, that's, maybe that's fair, but I, there's certainly an argument to be made that he's a top 10 center in, in the game right now. I mean, he's ridiculous. And he's, he's a, um, you know— all tools like he's he can do it all and I think I'm not like a person I he's been my favorite player for a while right he's gonna go down as one of my favorite rangers period I'm so happy he's here but I get the feeling that a lot like Kreider like they just don't need a lot of hoopla around them you know they're just like very like I'm here to play the game. I love the game. I love my team. I want to help the team. Like all that, like all the like buzzword bullshits that you hear about sports. But like you see stuff like last night, you see like his five goal game and you're just like, holy shit. Like what is going on here? You know, he just has that, that, and it, I, you know, it must have invigorated the hell out of the team last night, but the team looked amazing as a whole. So. Yeah, yeah. Zub- yeah Zubanejad is just un- unreal what he does. Yeah, he just has it. He's one of those guys that, you know, and, and look, this is not certainly not to slander the guy, and I, I apologize for doing it because it is a point of comparison, but, like, you think about 
the Rangers' previous number one center when they were in this position, when they were one of the top teams in the league. It was Derek Stepan. Very good player. Very different type of player. But Zibanejad just has that. He's a game-breaker. He's he's a championship-level player, whereas I think it's fair to say now, especially with hindsight, that Stepan wasn't quite that, even though he was a very, very good player, worked his ass off for this team. And I, I don't mean to like sound like an asshole here, not be appreciative of what he brought, but as I keep saying, Mika Zibanejad is just on a completely different planet of 99.5% you know, of the players in the game. I mean, he's right up there. And, you know, I'm also thinking about, you know, last year Chris Kreider scores 52 goals. You know, Artemi Panarin has 90-something points. Mika, Mika gets his – I can't remember if he scored 40 last year, but I know he had, he had 81 or 82 points. I think he could blow past 40 this year. I think he could blow past 90 points very easily. I, I think I predicted him. I did my little – Twitter thread, I predicted him to have 37 goals and 92 points, and I think I might have undershot that a little bit. So 29 goals, 81 points. Yeah. He had exactly 52 assists, so I'm just going to assume that he assisted on every single one of Chris Kreider's goals. <laughs> um, that would <laughs> make sense. Um, consider <laughs> that, that actually does check out. The math checks out. Um, I would put him at 40 goals this year. We know Kreider is going to not – he's not scoring 52 again. Let's I mean, 19-20 so. was – his was Zibanejad's high in goal scored. So that was a shortened year, 57 games, and he had 41 goals. He had 75 points in yes. 57 games. He had That's an out shot, outside shot at 60 goals <laughs> in that ridiculous. season. For sure. He Thanks, did. COVID. Jesus. Yeah, depriving us of a 60-goal season. But, um, but no, and also he was great. I think, you know, as we – I want to turn our attention now a little bit, unless you guys have anything else you want to say on Zibanejad, um, to the defense, and particularly both Keandre Miller and newly minted captain Jacob Truba, who were flawless, frankly, last mm-hmm. night. I mean, they did not put a foot wrong. They both had incredible metrics. They both picked up a point in the game uh, on the on the Zibanejad goal, shorthanded goal. They both uh, had assists. So, I mean, Jacob Trubel looked incredibly comfortable as Ranger captain. He was confident, strong, in the right spots, broke up a ton of plays. And Keandre Miller is another guy that just the talent and the potential there, the combination of the two, are you're looking at a player who I think could be one of the most one of the special talents in the league. Um, and Dave, I know you have some pretty pretty strong thoughts on Keandre specifically. So, what you're looking at with the Rangers right now is the combination of, I'm going to focus on the blue line for a second, youth hitting its peak ceiling combined with just an overall sound defensive structure. And you're seeing it with the way the lineup is built, with Miller and Troop as a top pair on any other team, let's be real. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> they're the second pair on the Rangers because they got Adam Fox. <laughs> this team, I, I forgot who tweeted this out, but this is the first year in the salary cap era where the Rangers have had a top six that has no holes. Every player is exactly where they need to be. Mm-hmm. And nobody is competing with the Rangers top four right now. Nobody. The only way you can compete with them is to hire Tanya Harding <laughs> to take out the kneecaps. <laughs> Wait, Tara Lipinski was at the game uh, on Tuesday night, and the first thing I thought, I'm yeah, like, obviously, and Tara Lipinski, amazing talent, but like the first thing I thought was like, is Tanya Harding here? <laughs> I just... 
That was Nancy yeah, Kerrigan, not I Tara Lipinski. Know. Come on, Becky, get your figure I skating know right. That. I'm just saying. Becky knows. Like, I was just jacked. Uh, I'm like, and by the way, Tara Lipinski, whatever her skincare routine is, like, please let a girl know because she looks amazing. I mean, she was like 15 <laughs> when she was in whatever the Olympics, but not the point. The point is, Keandre Miller is a superstar in waiting. And I don't know if this is going to necessarily be a prediction as much as it is a we're going to change the narrative here. Keandre Miller is the top left-handed defenseman on the New York Rangers. Mm. Yeah, I don't think that's in, in doubt. And and also it, it speaks volumes of, of the guy that he leapfrogs over when you say that, Ryan Lindgren. Yeah. I don't even think Ryan Lindgren would disagree. I think he'd say, yeah, of course, Keandre is amazing. The only He's problem got- I have with Lindgren is his facial hair choice. I, I like Loki <laughs> Love. It. I mean, I don't like it like as a choice for most people, but he could do it. But, but like Miller is just, you got to give him more penalty kill time. And I think I was calling for that in the offseason. Take away some minutes from Fox because he needs a break. Give it to Miller. Miller's just fine. And we saw it. Yeah. He's just so good, and I think I'm going to call the three of us out because around this time last year, I think we were questioning where Miller's spot was on the team. Listen. I don't know if I, I have to go back in the archives to, to verify that, Dave. But I, I'm, um, I'm taking the L on that one. This is the greatest L to take. I think people definitely were wondering if he'd be good enough defensively, right, because he's a converted forward. Uh, it, it's a difficult position to learn, even if you're a, you know, it's difficult to play defense in the NHL, even if you've been playing defense your entire life. But uh, again, that speaks to his, again, he's got all the physical ability in the world, but the the, the intelligence and the hockey sense is, is just off the charts. And, you know, look, I know uh, we've had the discussion many times. Rob Luker will be on the show and he may even argue for this in a couple of months if things aren't going so well, because seasons always have peaks and valleys, right? But I think the familiarity that that has uh, now developed between Fox and Lindgren and Truba and Miller is probably not something you mess with unless extenuating circumstances arrive. And I know that you can look at metrics and say, yeah, might be a better fl- uh, fit if you just flip it and you have Fox, Miller uh, and, and Truba, Lindgren. But, you know, to me, I think a big part of Keandre Miller's development is the fact that he's been playing alongside Jacob Truba. Now this is the third season in a row. I mean, look at the way the team's constructed too, and just the, the long-standing partnerships across the board. Kreider and Zabanajad have been playing together for this is their sixth season together. Fox and Lindgren fourth season together. Miller and Truba third season together. You know, obviously Panarin lost his guy Strom, but things look pretty good with Trocheck. But even I'm just thinking about Kako and Lafreniere and Hedl playing with either Lafreniere or Kako. All these guys now have seasons upon seasons of, of chemistry and time spent together. And I think that makes a huge difference. And, you know, I think Jacob Truba, you know, look, sometimes he does underwhelm a little bit. Um, he had some games in the playoffs last year where he was very boom or bust. And, and the bust games were really, really, really bad. Um, but clearly his presence, I think, I think has helped uh, Keandre Miller become what he's become, in the, you know, in, in such a quick, uh, uh, such a short amount of time in the NHL. I agree. He's also the best dressed ranger. And he's I not even close. St- he's like not a freaking close. model. It's like not even fair. Like, I don't think he does anything bad. Yeah, yeah I-, I think he has officially replaced Lundquist as the guy we're all like, 
can you save some of those genes for us, like us yeah. normal people? Can we have like <laughs> one or two of those, like one or two genes from that gene pool you got? Because it's just not I, fair. I completely. I mean, I. Henrik is a beautiful, beautiful man, but I think Keandre is better looking. But that's this is not the point of the podcast. But if we ever do want to do, no, no, I just wanted to say the the he just if you were to put vibes per sixty into a picture, it's him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Uh, Also, Henrik Lundqvist was in in attendance last night. Massive ovation when they showed him on the big screen. Um, Another fun moment that I did want to mention. After that incredible Artemi Panarin double dangle where he got Hedman and then he got point and he almost set up a goal to Lafreniere. The big screen showed this, but I don't think ESPN did. But they they cut to Trocek and he was literally like laughing. He was smiling ear to ear. And the look on his face was just, holy shit, I cannot believe how good Artemi Panarin is. And being able to watch this up close is insane. And he gets to play with him. He's on a line with him and a power play unit with him. He's probably like... What the hell was I doing in Carolina? <laughs> I mean, Carolina's a talented team, but Artemi Panarin is Artemi Panarin. He, he's in a class of his own. He, the, the look on his face was like pure, like, childlike joy. Like, just completely, like, amazed and, like, amused and happy. It was, like, amazing. I wish, I'm so sad that I wasn't on ESPN so no one could get a gif, gif. I still call it a GIF. GIF. GIF is a peanut butter. And not even the premier peanut butter. No, it's not. Skippy is. But this is a call to anybody out there who may have got a video of that. Please show it to me. I didn't see it. I I need to see this. It was great. Um, And my last observation, and then I'll, uh, you know, I'll let you guys make maybe one last observation before we get to questions. Um, the fourth line only played six and a half minutes or so. It was very limited ice time because of all the penalties. The game turned out to be a bit of a, of a shit show with all the penalties called. The refereeing was very poor last night, both ways, I thought. Uh, and I keep saying last night. I know everybody's listening to this on Thursday, so I'm sorry, two nights ago. Um, but the fourth line pretty much pitched a perfect game. Now, there were some different combinations as well due to the injury, but Ryan Carpenter ends up with a secondary assist on the Goodrow goal. Goodrow scores the clincher or the, you know, the insurance goal to make it 3-1. Ryan Reeves did his thing through a couple of big hits. And, and I, I think that line gave up one shot attempt in their whole in their whole time. I think Carpenter and Reeves uh, both had very good game, very good game scorecards. If you ever look at those types of stats, which combine all of the traditional goals, assist points with the sort of expected goals on ice, expected goals metrics. Uh, Reeves and Carpenter were pretty high up the list because they basically didn't give anything up. They spent their whole time, even though it was limited time, in the offensive zone. So, I mean, look, guys, from my standpoint, that, that like I said, that was one last observation. Um, I'm checking uh, that out. It was just pretty much, see. pretty much a perfect I mean, game on that, for the Rangers. If you can separate the fact that Ryan Reeves makes money and like we're in a bit of a, the Rangers are in a bit of a cap crunch, and you can like literally take that as a fact separate that out of your mind and just look at the actual hockey that was played last night, small sample size. I just don't think that there's any space to be disappointed in what that looked like last night. And I say that understanding that people look at the game differently. But I think, look, Reeves is older and he's going to get tired. But I think last night was really good. 
Um, I saw some some chatter about like why like why didn't he like protect Krabsov or like was something and I'm like because oh, you don't Jesus because yeah. like fucking because thing. we don't need to find something to be upset about every single game. Like can we just it, enjoy a fucking win? I mean, some people can't, it, it but was that's a- okay. And honestly, I don't even know who like where I saw it, so like forgive me if you're a listener of the pod that may have brought it up. It's not meant to be like a personal slight, but I like you're watching that game. They were calling nothing in the beginning at all. The referees and like we, the officiating was garbage last night. It was or Tuesday night. The officiating was just trash. It was trash all around. It was trash for both sides. It was garbage. So as it was kind of in the beginning of the Penguins, you know, playoff series, the first series, the officials are not calling anything. Right. They were calling nothing and it seemed like on the lightning. And there were a bunch of holds that we saw and a bunch of hits that were a little sus and like they're not calling anything. So like what do you do in that in that instance? Are you gonna go take a stupid run at Victor Hedman and then be in the box for two minutes? Like I, I don't think that right. that's the answer. But regardless, is a fourth line gonna be perfect? No. Is it like on par with some of our better, you know, like the fifteen fourth line? I don't know, probably not, but maybe, or the 14, I'm sorry, maybe. I don't know. We don't know. It was one game, but it was a good game. And I don't, I don't know how, like, there could really be negativity after watching that game unless, like, the internal MSG vibe seeped up into my head and I was just in such a good mood for being there that, like, I didn't notice one thing that happened that was kind of bad. Like, I, I don't know, but... I, enjoy it (laughs) first of all well i also think that and we've said this ad nauseum on this podcast ryan reeves does not have to play 82 games he doesn't need to play every single playoff game but he's the type of guy that he's almost like one of those pitchers in baseball that only pitches the first inning he's like an opener right like a he's a tone setter and i mean that in the sense that like reeves is perfect for an opening night game when when the when the energy is high all around. He's perfect in the first game of, of a playoff series like he was in that Pittsburgh series. That was probably his best game of the playoffs last year. He's good in an Islander game. He actually scored a bunch of points against the Islanders last year. He's good in a Washington Capitals game for obvious reasons. There's spots to pick with him that make sense. That and, and, and he has shown that in the right spots, he doesn't actively hurt the team on the ice. It's an over 82 or over 70, however many games he ends up playing. That yes, he's a slight net negative because he brings absolutely no offense. His defense is passable, and we know that the ice time for the fourth line is going to be limited no matter what. And he's never going to kill penalties or or ever be on the power play unless the game's a blowout. So it's not really something to get worked up about. And again, you said it perfectly, Becky. People are always going to come back to the contract, the extension, the cap hit, and given where they are with the cap right now, that raises red flags. But to me, he's a perfect guy to have on the team. Uh, clearly his teammates love him. He clearly serves a purpose in certain matchups and certain spots like Tuesday night. I think he brings value. I think that value is, you know, maybe slightly less than what he's getting paid, but it's not by much. And you live with it. And look, you have to do what I've been arguing teams should always do when they're trying to compete. You get the players you want and you figure out all the cap shit later. There's LTIR hijinks all the time. There's there's putting guys on waivers that you'd never expect to go on waivers that never get claimed, probably because there's little under-the-table handshake agreements. Hey, don't claim this guy. There's all sorts of ways to wiggle your way out of out of, out of of a cap issue, 
and I think that's what I the Rangers are doing here. If they if they get to a, a a situation where they have to go through some loophole to stay compliant, they'll do it because this is a good group that they want to keep together. Um, sorry, Dave. Any any last thoughts? Then let's get to the questions. Becky, it's do you have funny those, that you said that last bit because that's actually what I had in the Patreon post at the bottom, and. I'm going to read it word for word. Injuries and the cap will be the only things that can slow this Rangers team down. They don't have much cap space to begin with, and the injuries are mounting with Kravtsov and Blay, but there are ways around it, and the only time we've ever seen it really derail a team is with Vegas last year. Every other team has found a way to make it work. The Rangers will make it work. Even next year, when if the cap doesn't go up, they'll make it work. There's always a way, and right now... The only way to derail this team completely is literally you're going to have to shoot somebody. In, oh, bad example because of Brian Robinson. Uh, you're going to have to stab somebody in the leg. Sorry. <laughs> bad example. <laughs> I actually okay. think, by the way, Blay, unless I'm hallucinating, think I read that he is gonna he's going to play this weekend, potentially play this weekend. He may. He may. He's going to he make may. the trip. Okay. So questions? Sorry, I just did your job, Rob. Questions. Do it. Yes, no, please do it. Let's let's get to the question. Okay, so there are a lot of questions, which is awesome. Um, first question comes from our very own Tyler. Um, is Panarin back back? He looked like heart candidate Panarin. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, yes, I think so. And, and there was another thing. I, I'm glad. Thanks, Tyler, for asking the question. I'm glad... We're going back to Panarin for a second because the other thing I wanted to mention about him last night was, yes, the flair was there. Yes, the perfect pass to Zibanejad on the one-timer goal was there. All the usual Panarin stuff was there. After the first period or so, he looked a little bit off, had a couple of passes intercepted, stuff like that. But he also noticeably uh, tried to play a little simpler at times. He, he, he dumped the puck in a few times, which you almost never see him do. Um he also threw a hit, Becky. I said to you, I was like, "Whoa!" He actually like he threw did. a hit there. Like he he took a run at a defenseman and threw a hit, and he was credited with a hit. So, um, which he, I would he guess was. he probably My had more. My team counts hits, and I was like, "Well, this is phenomenal." <laughs> Marquee night yep. for everyone. That's a hit you did not expect. Uh, maybe you'd call it his annual hit. Uh, we'll see if he has more than one this season. But no, look, he definitely is making an effort not only to be more assertive with his skill and his usual stuff but also away from the puck, also on the physical side of the game. He seemed to have a little bit more of an edge to him last night, and I thought that that was really good to see. Um, so I do think he's back, and I do think he's going to have a 100-point season. That's my prediction for him this year. Oh, a 1,000% yes. If he continues playing the way he is, he's back. And I think adding Trocek was – I know that he loved having Strom on his line, but adding Trocek – just adds a different element to that line that he hasn't had because they have the four checker now they and it's not a Dryden Hunt four checker. It's an, a right. four checker that can actually score. No disrespect and Dryden. No disrespect to Dryden <laughs> Hunt, who is an ideal fourth liner who was completely miscast by nothing and he looked at a place doing the best he possibly could. Nothing he did wrong, miscast. Trocek is a better option. Lafreniere looked really good there. Kravtsov, we only got two shifts, but we saw what he looked like in the first playoff game with just Trocek, and I think just those two, as long as they have a skilled winger 
that can clear space for them and Trocha continues doing what he's doing, we're going to see the best Artemi Panarin we've ever seen. Yeah, I think I think all signs point to yes. One game, so let's, you know, let's not say like the heart yet, but yeah. Okay, and that kind of rolls easily into the next question. So Mark Panzer at Pans21 says, I have no questions. Everything is perfect. But we all know there's a question here. Um, knowing Gigi's tendencies and even if Crab comes back soon, do you think we're on the brink of seeing top six Kako Lafrenia roll consistently? I would hope Gigi does it at least short term. No? Definitely we're going to see it while Kravtsov is out, but I think we're going to see what he can do with Panarin because everything from training camp has shown those two are going to be attached to the hip. And Lafreniere and Heedle played a good a good amount of last season together. Um, I think the right wing when healthy is going to be Blay, so that's fine. And well, was it Laugh, Heedle, Blay? That was actually a really good line last year in limited minutes. Was it those yes. three? Yeah, Super it was. Limited okay. for Blay. So it was like 90 minutes, and then, you, you know, Blay got hurt again. So I think we're going to see Kravtsov there just as a full complement, top nine, see what they can do. But you can honestly rotate those kids anywhere around the line and or around the lineup, and they'll be fine. I mean, I, I think that, look, Kravtsov would have to have a really good, consistent rookie year. I think as, and he is still a rookie, as is the case with almost every rookie, even the most talented ones, there are always going to be ups and downs. And, and coaches, especially now, and I know it drives people nuts, but the Rangers are trying to compete for a cup. They're trying to finish first in their division. You know, they're trying to do this this year. There's going to be a short leash for some of these young kids, especially Kravtsov, and that has nothing to do with Chris Drury. has nothing to do with any of the supposed off-the-ice stuff. But if he has a couple of games where he struggles, he's going to be a healthy scratch. He's going to see some fourth-line minutes, I'm sure. Um, and, and, you know, I think, A, that's nothing to freak out about. But, B, what you'll see in those instances is Lafreniere get that right-wing spot. And, and so they'll, you know, they'll try and bring Lafreniere along throughout the season, get him more and more comfortable at right-wing. Uh, so that I think ultimately in the playoffs, yeah, to answer Mark's question, you're looking at a top six. That's pretty much what we saw last night. It's Kreider, Zabanajad, Kako, Panarin, Trocek, Lafreniere. Um, you know, and that's not, you know, obviously does not include any moves made at the deadline, which we're not talking about tonight anyway. But um, yeah, I mean, I think, look, both Lafreniere and Kako looked extremely confident, comfortable. They looked like full-fledged NHLers last night, and they are legitimate top six players for sure. All right, moving on. Bill to Spill, friend of Pod. Who do you extend first, Laugh or Miller? <laughs> Can it be at the same time? So that's actually a reply. Uh, it's a locked account that uh, Phil Kotcher, uh package deal, stepbrother style. <laughs> I li- that's the perfect response. I have nothing, there's nothing else to add to that. I didn't even see that, but yeah, that's great. I actually thought they said laugh for Kako, uh, Kako, Kako, and now I'm just reading it said laugh for Miller. So yeah, I still like the uh, package deal right. option there. Uh, yeah, I mean the only thing I'll say is, uh, Lafreniere is is probably like 
the second best scorer on a championship team, right? Like the second best forward. That's probably his ceiling. I think Keandre's ceiling is like a top five or top 10 defenseman in the league if he really puts it all together. Now, he may not ever get the scoring numbers with the Rangers because we know Fox is a wizard. He's always going to be the power play quarterback. He's locked up for eight years or whatever it is. So, you know, Keandre Miller is probably not going to ever score 60, 70, 80 points the way Fox does. But again, we talked about him earlier. The mixture of tools and hockey sense and potential and confidence now and, and utilization just being on the ice 23, 24, 25 minutes a night. He is a special, special player. So if I had to pick which one to do first, I'd say do Miller first. Why not, right? Get him locked up. Get him under contract now. You'll be able to do it for cheaper because he's not putting up gaudy counting stats and you worry about Lafreniere later on. So um, interesting point that you just reminded me of this. The Rangers, as far as I know in the salary cap era, have never – extended a forward long-term after their entry-level contract, there's always a bridge deal. Whereas the defensemen never get, I shouldn't say never, the good defensemen don't get bridge deals. They get the long-term contract. Right. So that might be an organizational way of doing things. But they've also never had a number one overall pick. Right. So I, I say you give them both matching deals and call it a day. It's a good problem to have, too, because neither of them are going anywhere. And this is, again, what I was referring to. Everybody's worried about the cap, and I get it. They're going to have to fill some holes with cheap players, but that's what you do, and you lock up the special guys. Miller and Lafreniere are special guys. I'm actually just looking at the Goodrow contract. Um, No, they're not going to trade him after this year. I was just looking to see (laughs) where they could find some cap relief, and it's not going to come from Goodrow. All right. Do I have to wear the same? Oh, sorry. This is Jess. Jessica Lynn, three twelve. Do I have to wear the same jersey on Monday, or is it too early to be superstitious? Jessica, you know the answer. Yeah. That. The, why would you ask this? Honestly, you know the answer. That thing's not getting washed all year. Come on. Yeah. <gasps> Jess, eighty-two and zero. Yeah. You don't wash it. You keep wearing it. You're only wearing it for like four hours at a time so it's not like it's gonna get and you're wearing something dirty, under it so. too you know like there's a barrier yeah mm-hmm. like how often do you wash a coat same same yeah. concept i agree right that's your coat this year <laughs> yep <laughs> that crider it was a crider jersey was. i believe uh that that jessica was wearing it, at the game we took we took uh, the bromance night, picture so. so it was it was crider that's right that's right so right you were wearing zabanajad she was wearing crider uh, so yeah, that's your, that Crider jersey is your coat this year, Jess. I think that's the answer to your question. All right, Lou, Immortal Lou thirty. If Kako stays on the top line with Mika and Crider and plays as well as he did last night all year, what is the highest point total you could realistically you realistically think he could get? I like this question. It's like Ooh, a big like 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 ninth grade math question or eighth grade math question where you're just like. <laughs> Yeah. If this truck is carrying forty-two depart. watermelons and the other one is carrying vodka, how fast do they have to be going to get like a really good cocktail? <laughs> what? This is, I had a really long day. <laughs> it's been a long day. Is, is this? I just have a lot of questions about what just went through your brain. I really you. want like. How was that? What school I, you went to? <laughs> we went to the same school. I went to the same school. <laughs> what I really, well, what I yeah, really yeah, want right true. now is like a delicious, like light rum watermelon cocktail. 
That's all. Add a little bit of lemon juice to I don't, kill some yeah, of the Yeah, see, I don't know all of those logistics as, like, not a bartender. But, like, I just want something delicious. And I'm getting really far away from Lou's question. So we're assuming Kako is playing in the same same spot and playing and all, you know, cylinders are firing the way they were last night. What is Kako's absolute ceiling for points? 15, 40, 55. Okay. Remember, wow. he's not playing the power play. That's true. Yeah, I was going to go 20 goals, 30 assists, 50 points. Okay. So, and that's by, and, and, and also, again, I, I keep referencing my own tweet, which I realize is very lame. I apologize. But I tweeted out some predictions. I know some people probably saw them, but a lot of people didn't. I have Kako down for something like 20 goals and 18 assists. But I also parenthetically said he will be the best Ranger in terms of like expected goals and like all the fancy metrics, right? I fully expect him to be one of the dominant offensive zone time puck possession players in the game. And I think he had plenty of stretches last night where he showed why. He was bullying players all night, you know, very good defensive players like Hedman and Chernak, like Braden Point. Like he just had no problem shrugging these guys off and keeping the puck. Obviously, he's playing with two phenomenal elite NHL players in Kreider and Zibanejad. So you could see some very gaudy advanced metrics, which I know not everybody looks at, with some pretty modest goal totals, I think, because, look, he may just not be that pure scorer that, you know, maybe folks projected him to be. You know, he's probably not ever going to be a 40-goal guy. But if he could blossom into 2025 and, you know, 45 to 55 points a year and be an elite two-way forward, I'd what what else do you want? Uh, that would be perfect. I mean, and also, does that keep him cheaper? It absolutely does. <laughs> also, he's my mom's favorite player because she loves his name. So there's that appeal, too. Um, okay, and then final question. So this comes from Anthony Cacchioli at – I'm sorry if I'm, like, butchering this – at Cacchioli25. Do you think Mika Zibanejad can score 50 goals this year? God, what a beautiful question. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Why don't you take I – was, well, I was going to say, Becky, what do you think? I want to hear your answer first. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he can score 50 goals in any given season until he has a steady decline. I don't know if he will. Um, I said it, I want to say last week, like when we were doing kind of predictions and we were saying like, okay, over, under, you know, using the lines, like – if Kreider somehow loses that touch for like the tipping goals, God, you know, God forbid, but like if that happens, if he loses his tip touch, yes, if he loses his tip touch, um, or if, you know, there's just better defense or whatever it is, if whatever, for whatever reason, you know, he was the person who was scoring primarily last year. I mean, we, we just talked about Mika didn't have that many, I mean, he didn't hit 30 goals last year. I know it's like not that many, but for kind of a top center, lead scorer, like 30 is safe bet in my head anyway. <laughs> um, I think if it gets to a point where he has to be the person scoring the goals, then yeah, if it's not, if the game plan isn't like, Chris is in front, let's like, you know, send it his way and he's going to tip him in, then yeah, I think he could score 50. I don't know that he will, but I think he's capable of it, sure. Yeah, I think that's really well put, Becky. And I think that Zabanajad has such a good feel for the game and feel for his team 
that, yeah, I mean, look, ever you could see last night already, and I think uh, Rob Rob Luker joked about this in our chat. Uh, he said, "Here comes Kreider's power play regression because he scored like twenty six power play goals, which is just an absurd number." Um, and he had three, two or three glorious chances, a couple on the power play that were stopped. They were one was blocked by a defenseman. Vasilevsky made two ridiculous saves on him. So, look, those were pucks that went in last year. They're probably they're not going to go in as frequently this year. It's just it's just how the sport is. Um, again, he may score still score thirty five, close to forty goals. But I think you're right, Becky, in the sense that Zabanajad will have that awareness to be like, all right. Do I need to be more of a shooter, right? Is this less of a me needing to set guys up, and now do I need to go finish mm-hmm. some plays? Um, and 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 who knows what kind of chemistry develops playing with Kako? I mean, last year they were playing with Frank Vetrano for the business end of the season and the playoffs. Vetrano was a pure shooter. Uh, he really was not interested in passing the puck, which that they needed last year. The Rangers, just as a team, needed that shoot first mentality. I think that's more built in this year, and they're going to be firing more pucks on net as a team anyway. But you know, this year, right, maybe Kako is a little bit more of a setup man. He's a very good passer. Maybe Zibanejad's the one scoring uh, a little bit more. So I definitely agree. I think 50 goals is on the table. Um, but also, I, you know, realistically, look, and I think this is a good way to close out the show. Opening night was ideal, right? The Rangers had pretty much the perfect first game of the year that a team in their position could 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 want to have against a rival team, you know, not a pure rival, but we all hate Tampa. I think Tampa hates the Rangers pretty well, too. Um, against a team that knocked out of the playoffs last year, you come out and put on that type of performance. I mean, we didn't even have to say Igor Shesterkin's name during this podcast. That tells you all you need to know about game one of the 2022-23 season. That said, the Rangers are going on the road. They're going to play against Minnesota and Winnipeg. The games, even though they're, they're they are those teams' home openers, they're not going to have the same level of juice. Not every game of the 82 is going to have that level of intensity. Guys are going to have off nights. We know injuries are going to happen and illnesses are going to happen and bad breaks are going to happen and all that stuff. So, you know, I think obviously there's there's nothing but reason for optimism for the Rangers right now. But look, it's a long season and, and we'll see how it develops. But, you know, certainly everything came up roses on Tuesday night at Madison Square Garden. Um, any final thoughts from from you guys? I am just going to simply piggyback off what you said regarding they go to Minnesota, they go to Winnipeg. So Minnesota's a very good team, very good team. Mm -hmm. And then literally the next day they fly to Winnipeg and they got to play there. I think, Rob, you called that a scheduled loss last week. They Yeah, I had the days wrong, but yeah, I mean, back-to-back, they're both home openers too. It's Minnesota's home opener and then Winnipeg's home opener. Yeah, they're not going 82-0, people. They're not? (laughs) I mean, if you listen to Rangers Twitter, then maybe. But they're not going. That I love you guys, but we can't live and die every time that they lose. So let's like take a break, please, and let's just enjoy the ride again. But they're not going eighty-two and zero. They're gonna lose a game on this trip, just based off of the schedule. It's gonna happen. So deal with it. Hopefully, it's Minnesota, not Winnipeg, because Minnesota's a really good team. But I'd also like to see them curb stomp Minnesota, too, just to be like, hey, we're actually a good team, too. Becky, any last thoughts from you? Let's fucking go. <laughs> That's how every show is going to end this this year, I have a feeling. And also get me a watermelon um, cocktail. 
<laughs> I quote tweeted Lou Lou's question. I just said what the answer to that question was. Wait, guys, one last thing. I, There's going to be a bluey uh, balloon at the Thanksgiving Day Parade this year, the Macy's Parade. And I'm so excited. If you are not familiar with Bluey, it's a it's a children's cartoon that we've it's become like literally very familiar when, with. When, Here, it's when, fantastic. Like, when our toddler loses interest, I'm like, but I still want to watch, so we're going to keep it on. So, <laughs> agreed. you do with Bluey what I do with Sesame Street, because my daughter loves uh, well, Elmo Street and too. will sit and mm-hmm. watch. And then she'll just be playing and I'll be sitting there watching Sesame oh, yeah. Street. It's, I mean, Sesame Street slaps, <laughs> except... If we really want to get into it, and we probably shouldn't on this podcast, <laughs> Abby's okay. Rudy sucks, and the new like that like <laughs> Abby's adventure. Like I just can't. I can't do it. It makes me so annoyed. I miss it. Well, I miss the just pure puppet aspect of it. They went to this like Agreed. Bert and Ernie now computer generated. It's just really yeah. weird. I love Bert and Ernie though, and when they are puppets, it's it's like. That's my childhood coming back. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe these guys are still on. It's great. Mm-hmm. Love Bert and Ernie. The first episode of Sesame Street, by the way, if you guys have HBO Max, watch the first episode. Big Bird is freaky. Oh, yeah. Like, Big That's Bird trippy. doesn't have a head. It's just two <laughs> eyes and a beak. I mean. This is a very man. odd way to end the podcast. <laughs> Let's go, Rangies. I was going to say, how do, we, how do we bring it back? Um, well, let's, let's do this. Let's, two as eyes and a beak kind of looks like a Brad Marchand. <laughs> Yes, uh, for sure. That's good. That that was a good segue, Dave. No, listen. Want to thank everybody for sending in questions. Keep them coming. Um, tell your friends. Uh, I think you know we're, we're slowly growing the following on the Twitter account. Um, feedback's been really good. So glad everyone's enjoying the show. We're really excited to be doing it every week, and uh, we look forward to uh, the next few games of Rangers hockey. We'll recap it all next week. Thanks for listening.